Hi, and welcome to Rate That Album, the back and forth album review with myself, Paul Muadib, and my good friend, Joe Fremming. Joe, how are you doing today, buddy? I am doing fantastic on the brink of World War III, Paul. <laughs> Just as good as you can do, right? <laughs> <laughs> how not to drown, buddy. Um, yeah, no, um, for a prosperity stake, because we all may be dead, uh, <laughs> this is being recorded the day that Russia invaded Ukraine. So, yay, World War III. Um, so we're doing uh, churches. I guess, fittingly enough, Screen Violence album. A really depressing album. Joe, what did you think about it? Uh, yeah, it was a... It's a, it's a fun, dancey pop album with, like, some of the most depressing lyrics I've ever heard in my life. So it was right up and It was... Uh, it scratched a lot of itches for me, much like Pat Boone did for you. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> No, no. I mean, it was just like one of those perfect albums for me, much like uh, In a Metal Mood should have been for you. <laughs> should have been for me? Dude, okay. So I I do want to take a moment here and, and, and retro some things here. Um, there's a lot of things. I want to go back, actually, at some point and rediscuss that album because there's a lot more that I could have tried it on that for. <laughs> um, choo-choo. <laughs> crazy, crazy train. Choo-choo. Um, I also want to go back and say, you know, I, I um, for the Miley Cyrus album, I really wish I had picked um, uh, Miley Cyrus and her Dead Pets because um, I, you know, I do really love that album. I went back and listened to it uh, not too long ago, and I don't want to go back and redo artists because there's just so much music out there. But um, yeah, I don't know. Have you had a chance to listen to Dead Pets? I listened to it when it came out. Mm. Okay, what did you think of Dead Pets? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, the song Bang My Box is amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like her work. That was uh, with uh, the Flaming Lips. It was it was trippy and weird. And I liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, I was looking and why I was thinking about that was that came up on a worst album of the 2010s um, or yeah, of the 2010s that came up on a worst album uh, list that I had found. Um, which I was really shocked about because I really enjoyed that album. So fuck them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck them and fuck their face. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about churches. Joe, what what is your uh, experience at all, if at all, with uh, churches? I just know who they are. Mm-hmm. I remember when they they started coming out and people were talking about them. Like I, but I was just like. Uh, really not attuned to like a lot of new music coming out especially by like newer bands at the time so it's kind of like there's this whole like 10 year gap that just kind of or not 10 year but like six seven years that just like passed me by so i'm like kind of like playing catch up a lot of times with like some of these bands while i'm still discovering new shit mm-hmm. the only thing i remember is uh, they did uh, an interview where the lead singer was talking about how they for the longest time, they tried to put off doing photo shoots because they feared like she'd become the main focal point. Yep. And then, like now, if you look at all the photos of the band, that's what happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Very interesting. So, no, your your ten year gap is about right because churches. I mean, this is their fourth album, and every album of theirs has gotten success. And I will say that I'm a fan of churches. Um. They actually came through um, Minneapolis back in August 
of 21 and um i almost went it's the, it was like the same thing as it was when it was um ween okay when i wanted to go see ween i was i've actually bought the tickets for ween and then sold them because i just wasn't ready with covid and the same thing with this one i really wanted to see them i was hoping they were going to come back through um unfortunately they're going to do some festivals this year and down like in, i think the closest they're getting is indianapolis so i regret missing them especially for this album because i really like this album but i will say that every one of their albums is solid <laughs> even their first album this is one of those things where i this is what i love about some of this that we do because we talk a lot about like the failures oh their first album's great but every album that comes out afterwards there's like a decline not with this band <laughs> so they're still would, young you just they, give, them give, 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 give them time they'll fail almost uh, every band puts out that clunker paul <laughs> it's, it's they, bound to happen there's i can't think of many bands that avoided that <laughs> fate yeah, I mean, even the Beatles put out Magical Mystery Tour, I suppose. That's so my, That's one of my favorites of theirs. I know, I know mine too, and everyone hates it. Blue Jay Way is a great song. Yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about churches. So the two male musicians, the um, Ian and Martin. Now, this band comes from Glasgow, which yeah, is interesting. You're on a real big uh, Scottish kick lately. I, I know, it's weird, right? But at least we get a Scottish band that's good this time around versus you know, what we got with snow patrol uh, yes so these guys are in glasgow and they were in a couple bands together and they actually back in like 2011 so they started in 2003 they're in a couple of bands together and started working on their own projects and in 2011 they came across lauren mayberry and asked if she'd be interested in singing backup vocals for this electronic music project that they were working on. And the funny thing was they were from like alternative rock bands. Ian and Martin were, they played guitar, they played drums, they played bass. So they got inspired by this. He was listening to this band called the Emeralds and uh, cook, uh, Ian cook was. So he bought a synthesizer. A, uh, he bought a, basically a Moog and started playing around with it. And, he said, Hey guys, you want to come and I'm just going to do like an EP of some electronic music. And so his buddy Doherty was like, yeah, I'll come back and work on music with you. And they ran into this, um, this Lauren Mayberry who they had, uh, had known through another band said, Hey, do you want to do backing vocals for this project? She's like, yeah, sure. Well, as they're working on this project, they're, they started recording and they're like, we should become a band. We should actually do something more than an EP. This is this is working out really well. Initially, the idea was to have Doherty sing lead vocals, and Mayberry would sing the backing vocals. And he eventually asked us and said, "You know what? I want you to sing for the band." And she was like, "Um, okay." So she became the front woman. So yeah, when they did that, that's very funny. You brought up that interview. That was one of the things they want to talk about. Was hey, we're a band. You know, it's not just about me, and it's become all about her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's that really still in the interview. Because I was just like, it was really, you know, they they made that point when they were talking, and then of course the photo with the interview was like her up front and the two guys behind. But I guess you can't avoid it. That's, no, 
it's the it's the industry. It's the industry, and I wanted I wanted to avoid talking about her looks and things like that. Which, but she's a very attractive woman. Uh, so it, it happens, you know. It's kind of like Blondie. No one really knows anyone in that band besides Deborah Harry. You know what I mean? I mean, it happens a lot of times in the U.S. It is very, very. We're very guilty of this. You saw the. I know you saw the documentary in the shadow of Motown. Right. I think so. I've seen so many music docs, man. <laughs> like, no, it's, so it's the one about all the people that were the session musicians in Motown. Oh yeah. 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 I saw that. Okay. So one of the things I talked about was no one in the U S you know, Oh, Marvin Gaye got all the credit. Oh, Redding got all the credit. You know, all these Motown singers got all the credit and no one knew who the session musicians were. And when they flew over to England, to do a project or to do something over there musically, like they were shocked that people knew who they were. Like there were signs for them, for them specifically. And they're like, no one in the U S knows who the hell we are. So this is one of the things that kind of is the American music churn is that uh, wrecking crew. They did that. They did like a lot of the backing tracks and a lot of popular music in the sixties. Yes. Notably with uh, uh, pet sounds. Mm-hmm. Beach Boys and stuff. And it was just like they just came in and you know they really polished up like bands that you know got signed but were not proficiently or technically good. So they would just come in and clean that shit up. That's why they're called the Wrecking Crew. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say one of them did something for. Um, wasn't that Paul Simon? Where one of those guys? I remember they came in there and he. I saw an interview. And Paul Simon's like, oh, yeah, for for this particular song, you play a guitar like this. And what Paul Simon didn't know was that they didn't like his guitar rendition. So they brought this other guy in and he's playing it on the album. And so Paul Simon's like talking with him and is going, you know, when I do this, I play this part. And this guy's going, yeah, I know. I know, Paul. I know, Paul. And Paul's just, you know, still going on. And like, he doesn't have the heart to tell Paul Simon because he was told also not that he doesn't have the heart, but he was told don't fucking tell Paul Simon replace his guitar work with yours. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Music, man. It's like, <laughs> it's a fucked up industry, dude. It's a fucked up industry. So the reason why they picked churches and why they spell their name that they did it with the V rather than the U is for online searches. They're like, it's nothing more than that. They are saying we didn't want to have people looking up churches and having the struggle with actual online search results. So we spell it with a V instead of the U. That's really why they came up with it. Their major, I mean, every album that they did had hits. Uh, they went through. So we're. I wanted to focus on their latest album, which uh, was released in um, 2021 which is screen violence. And let's just uh, premise. We did the director's cut. Yes. Yes. We did the director's cut, which was interesting. Three extra, three extra tracks, three extra tracks. And I didn't know about the director's cut till you found it. When we were looking up this album, when you were, yeah, like, hey, I, wanted, I, I wanted to make sure we were listening to the same one. So you, never, quick, know. you never know. <laughs> no, it happens. Right. Cause again, we ran in that with Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. And a couple other bands where there's like, uh, we get in the extended version, the, the redo, the redo, you know, it's, it's just what it is now. Uh, 
they're known their musical style is synth pop, electro pop, indie pop, indie tronica, electronica, pop, and electronic. Their major influences, and I think this will be no surprise to you, Joe, is David Bowie, Depeche Mode, Iggy Pop, Susie and the Banshees, Tangerine Dream, Nick Cage, <laughs> Nick Nick Cave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like so, like when I was listening to this, and that's funny because you bring up those bands because it you know it has a very eighties vibe to it. And mm-hmm. I'm currently reading, uh, or rereading actually, the book Rules of Attraction by Brett Easton Ellis. And oh, nice. this this album, maybe it's just because I'm reading, but it has a very uh, Brett Easton Ellis vibe to it in that it's like 80s pop, but it's like some of the most, with these songs about twisted people with twisted mm-hmm. uh, interviews and shit. So that really kind of struck out to me. Like it just felt like a soundtrack, maybe to like one of his books. Well, you know, one of these yeah, it, things happen for reasons, my friends. So let's start with uh, the first song here, "Asking for a Friend." Okay, so this, and I'm gonna say, so like this popped on with the intro. My first reaction was like, "Oh no, Paul really likes this band, and they're already starting off on a bad foot with me," <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it's it felt like so. Uh, Derivative of like how a lot of dance anthems in the mm-hmm. past ten years have been. You start with the slow, with the the uh, Antares, uh, whatever. Yep. The vocal manipulations. I was like, oh no, oh no. It, it got better, but like I was very nervous when this this first track started because it did not draw me in. Okay, so this so so this first track did not drive you in. No, it did not reel me in. It was like I was very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I was very nervous. I was like, oh God, we even went with the director's cut of this. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, I this song, I'll be honest with you. The first time I listened to the album didn't grab me either. As more walk as more uh playthroughs of the album and getting yeah. a vibe of the album, I actually enjoy it a lot yeah, more. Yeah, I enjoy I, it more now, but like that first mm-hmm. listen, I was like, Oh, oh no, Paul really likes this band and it's already <laughs> starting to not, not great with me. But it it's grown on me. But yeah, that was my first reaction. I was just like, Oh, oh no, 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 not again. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm, I'm glad it, and again if there's things you don't like you're not going to hurt my feelings this is obviously i mean we're both critics at heart i one of the things i think i really enjoy about churches is the fact that they are poppy but they have that edge to it and i enjoy the fact that the lyrics are actually like intelligent and mm-hmm. meaningful that's one of the things that I have a real problem with a lot of, you know, pop music. It's very saccharine, vapid. vapid. And this is, vapid. she's, I mean, she's opened this up with, you know, some yeah. real, you know, real feeling and real, you know, lyrics um, coming yeah. forward. You don't get that a lot in a pop dance club sound. No, no, that's another thing that stood out. Like, yeah, so that's why I picked, because I was thinking about this. Well, after I was listening to it, and I was like, the reason I don't like a lot of uh, dance club pop music is just how vapid and uh, empty mm-hmm. and it is, which makes it joyless for me personally. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people probably like it, and that's fine. But for me, I don't get joy out of that kind of music. But I don't get like a, an emotion from something. It, it just it 
it's just wallpaper at that point for me. It's, yeah. it's there, you know, yeah. and we've had plenty of albums where it's wallpaper to us. Like Molly Ringwald was just mm-hmm. wallpaper. We couldn't even remember a goddamn song on that album when we did our review. <laughs> and sadly, if you were to ask me like any name of the songs, the only one I could tell you was don't, For- don't you forget about me. Yeah. That is the I only forgot one. about that one until you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, sucks because she has a great voice. So, next song is He Said, She Said. Yeah, this is where the lyrics really drew me in. I was Mm -hmm. like, this is fucked up. Like, this is like, this song is either about uh, somebody she was with who is, like, saying shit like this or the industry itself. I get a vibe like it's a lot of, like, the industry with the whole, uh, you know, Watching your weight and how you mm-hmm. look, and di- dicta- dictating every aspect of your life. You know what I mean? Like, that's there's a lot of that in this song. You know, drink, but don't get sloppy or whatever she yeah, says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get drunk, but don't be a mess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, eat, but don't, you know, watch your weight and shit. Like, it's like, it just feels like a lot of, you know, so, like a toxic person in her life or the toxic industry or even how the fucking world treats women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, the vibe I got from it. Like, and that was like, really just like it hit. I was just like, wow, that's, she's angry and she has every right to be angry. Cause lyrics like these just don't pop out of nowhere. You know? No, no. And I think, I think, you know, you have a really good lean towards the industry cause they have a very, their lyrics across all their albums are very, you know, dark and kind of depressing and that type of have that tone. So I think one of the you know, one of the lyrics is "Be sad, but don't be depressed." So yeah. yeah, I really think that's you know what it is. I personally also love the vocals on it. This yeah. is the song that is my three year old's favorite song right now. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I love this. This is probably my uh, this and Final Girl probably my two favorite songs. Oh, Final Girl, such a great. Such yeah. a great track as well. Yeah. So next one's California. I love the melody of this. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that churches is kind of known for is doing like double, um, a double choruses. So, and you get that in final girl as well. And, you know, and I, you know, and with this one, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, they got a, we, they call it kind of a pre-chorus, but it's, it, you know, it's not really, it's like a, it's like its own course that it, Crescendos into another chorus. And this is, I think, one of the first ones you get on this album that does this. I, yeah, it was really catchy. I, every time I play it, I, I enjoy it. Uh, the next one is Violet Delights, which is, I really like the lyrical content of this one. I don't, uh, I don't know what you thought about this one. Uh, so <laughs> there's a show called Westworld. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the, one of so like I couldn't stop thinking about it because there's a line throughout the whole series when it was good I stopped watching because it got really shitty. I heard that season heard two, that. but uh, there's a line <laughs> that always says these violent delights have violent ends, and so like, uh, the whole time I'm just thinking of that when I was listening. So I, that was kind of distracting to me. Sure, it's not really their fault. <laughs> it's just like I just my brain just immediately went to another 
area of pop culture. Absolutely. No, and one of the things that we I really I would want to do because I think some audience members might call us out on this is something that I said before that it gets boring when you hear a band kind of do the same thing across all their tracks. There is throughout this album this theme of nightmares and you know sleeping and but it's done in a way that's not boring that makes it interesting because the songs are different each way the way that she's telling it is different each way and that's the key like when you do something just because like again going back to snow patrol because that's one that we really hammered on that for using a lot of the same words across the album that's when uh there's not really much music there for variance that's when it really gets pulled out and really gets under the microscope. You have to kind of dig in a little bit to get that with this album, but you'll find it, but it's done intelligently. Does that make sense? Well, Snow Patrol just did it lazily. That was the problem with that. It was just there you go. about that album is fucking lazy. Well, again, they put a demo track on there. That was a creeper song. So- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These these lyrics are, you know, anxieties and nightmares and, mm-hmm. you know, twist. That's why, like, you know, it's just like I was driving, I was listening to it. I was like, man, this this sounds like a soundtrack to the book less than zero. Like <laughs> the characters are just like outwardly apathetic and they're just fucking dark and twisted and get delights out of awful things. <laughs> yeah, and and you know. You gotta, you there again. There's she's angry about something happened <laughs> like between the third well, and the fourth. Well, did they write this during the lockdowns? During COVID? Yes, 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 they did. Yep. So I can imagine, like, we all kind of everybody kind of spent too much time in their own mind. I think those past two years, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, Joe, next one we get is How Not to Drown featuring and co written by Robert Smith. It was all right. I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of this. I'm all, but I just that's just. You know. You're allowed again. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I am a huge Cure fan. I love Robert Smith, and I could hear like this album especially has a lot of Cure yeah. guitar notes and influence in it. There's very much a lot of Cure in this album, and I will say that I enjoyed it. And to me. I will say that the duet aspect of it, of having Robert Smith on it, makes sense versus some of the other stuff that we've had again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think besides Beyonce, where we were like, why is, you know, this shouldn't work on paper, but it works. That's the last time we really had an album where having multiple musicians on works in a song. Yeah. Yeah. It was done right. It's done right. Yeah. This, you know, it's not a bad song. I just, it didn't do a whole lot for me, I guess. Sure. Like, obviously I hear the, the cures influence all over this album. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, it's, that's not, it's just, this one just, I don't know. Just, it didn't do a whole lot. It's not bad. I don't skip over it. It's just not my favorite. I think maybe his vocals kind of take me out a little bit and that's kind of like my issue with it. His vocals, uh, it doesn't match an electronic pop sound. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of probably why I got taken out of it for a bit. Mm -hmm. And I will say when it's done live, and I've watched a lot of live things uh, for this album, and there is no, she just sings all of it. There is no like stand in for Robert Smith or anything like that. It was just done exclusively for the album itself. So I think it actually 
is a little bit more tonally makes a little bit more sense. But again, anytime I see Robert Smith on something, I'm happy. So <laughs> I'll take it. Next, we get what you said was one of your favorites, Final Girl. Final Girl. Yeah, I just love the, I love the imagery and the lyrics. You know, <laughs> like so. You know, it's almost like seeing your life as a movie mm-hmm. and putting yourself as the final girl at the end of a horror movie. <laughs> Right. I mean, because that's basically, you know, that's kind of like the hook into this is the final girl at the end of all horror movies. Mm-hmm. You know, usually murder at the beginning of the next one. But <laughs> you know, that's if, if you're a big Friday the 13th fan like me. Yeah, that's. Yep. Usually... Yep. Because she wanted too much money. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Too much money. All right. Because Actually, no. Kind of the same haircut. and. <laughs> She, um, the, 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 the girl from, that's actually a tragic story. She was actually being stalked. The girl that played, um, from Friday the 13th part one and Friday the 13th part two, and she couldn't mentally handle it was what happened. And it was actually took everything out of her just, just to get her in to do the one scene where she's in the apartment because yeah, she had a stalker in real life and he like broke into her house and stuff like she, yeah, it was really an unfortunate story there. That's what happened with her, but you know, that's neither here nor there. So, uh, <laughs> I just, but yeah, it's my, it's probably, it's pro- one of my favorite on this album. I just love the lyrical imagery and you know, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoy, again, this is that dual chorus. This definitely is one of those dual yep. chorus songs, which going back to any one of their uh, older albums, those are the ones that really shine through because yeah, you get this, you get this, you know, okay, this is a nice chorus. And then it cuts to in the final cut in the, and you're like, wait a minute, where are we going now? (laughs) (laughs) We're going someplace I really like. Yeah. Lyrically it's, it's, it's a, it's almost like a story song. You can picture it and you could tell, you know, like the way that things are going, like, should I be doing what I'm doing? You know, what am I doing? What am I going on? Yeah. A lot of viewing yourself from the outside in on this one. Yeah. Yeah. So next one is good girls. Uh, I liked it. Is it the the f bombs feel a little awkward? Mm-hmm. Is that just me? No, no, no. Feels like it's, she's not comfortable even saying it, which is kind of strange. <laughs> yeah, they are a little. It's given you know, the way she sings it. I don't know if there's a hesitancy or what, but I I I felt it too. So no, no, don't. You're not. You're not seeing something that isn't there. Am I going crazy here? <laughs> <laughs> Calm it down, Gilmer. God damn it, Gilmer. God damn it, Gilmer. So, uh, yeah, I actually really like this song. Like, again, lyrically wise, I this is one of the ones that I did. The rhyming got a little much for me. Cry, lie, die, alive. <laughs> like, you know, um, you know. But the whole—I mean, just starting off, killing your idols is such a chore. Yeah, and it, and it's, it's such a fucking bore because I don't need yeah. them anymore. Yeah. So maybe if you got some guts, we kill them with a thousand cuts and say we did it out of love. Like, <laughs> you really pissed off at someone. <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, this band is angry at somebody, and it's just like, it's not just one person in the band, because I think, like, everybody helps write all this shit, so so it's like, everybody involved was just angry at something. Yeah. So then we get lullabies, getting back to that theme of sleep and things like that. Yep. What did you think of this one? It was all right. 
Yeah, this one's not the great. I mean, I enjoy it. I like the I like Nightmares, which follows it. Nightmares Night- I liked a lot. So. Nightmares are a really good song. Yeah, Lullabies is kind of there. Uh, I almost like a I don't want to say a filler song, but it is kind of a filler song yeah, in my mind. It's just kind of like it's moving the moving things along, I guess. Like mm-hmm. it works nice as a bridge between Good Girls and Nightmare. Yes. But yes. Yep. Uh, yeah, I didn't. It, Nothing super stood out to me. Like Nightmares, I was just like, yeah, I love this song. It's a great song, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 A, lot, a lot of these songs are great. I just lo- I love the lyrics and like the presentation of it all is just really good. So, mm-hmm. And then you get better if you don't, uh, number 10. Now, which I want to. Which is technically s- the end of the album, which, which is, is I think is a solid, uh, solid ending song for an mm-hmm. album. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's that's a great way to end the album with a song like this. Yes, hundred like, percent. The guitar and everything sounds great and fits I, the mood. And I like the again again the lyrics of it are just I enjoy it again I enjoy the the, the lyrical content of it. Um, so then we get the director's cut, which has three extra songs, which is Killer, Bitter End, and Screaming. Yep, only one uh, of them I felt. Should have probably been on the album proper. And which one was that one? Killer. Yes. Yep. The other two, I, I could see why they cut that. Yes, I am. I. That's what makes me interested. Like, why was this a director's cut? Like, if it was me, I would have. The reason why they did it is, it was kind of a hey, we're going to release these three extra songs because people. This album's doing really good. We want to give our fans something, which has kind of become semblance with a lot of things during COVID. People are just giving stuff away. In my, this is the quote that that Lauren said. This album was uh, thematically so different to previous Church's albums that it would have been rude to us to let Halloween come and go without injecting some more screen violence into it. So two days ahead of Halloween, they released this director's cut with the three extra songs. I don't know. Like, my mind, I would have maybe put out, moved them to the next album, but maybe the next album, the songs won't fit. So I don't, you know, bands have put out three-song EPs before, but... I don't know. Yeah, it's, I guess, you know, a lot of times it's also promotional for like, you know, you get the exclusive tracks if you buy this at Target or wherever. Yeah, so I kind of figured it was something like that. Uh, Obviously, you know, thing is like, it it works digitally, like, but if you're buying a physical copy, you just have like a CD now with three tracks on it. It just seems like a a waste yeah and i and i gotta bring up i i don't know if this is the case or not so i'm just gonna say it i hope that if you bought i know if you bought the physical original copy you don't get the new copy you don't get the director's cut i hope that if you bought the original album and then director's cut drop that you would get access to those three extra songs if you bought it I suppose the streaming, a lot of bands aren't thinking about people buying their music anymore, I suppose. I have a huge problem with this because of video games. Like I I cannot say I'm a gamer anymore. I haven't gamed in months. I, you know, I don't, I, I used to be a big gamer. 
I'd get really pissed off, and I'm going to bring up a prime example. This is me getting on a soapbox for a minute. <laughs> oh, here uh, we go, everybody. There we go. <laughs> so uh, for the longest time, I would not buy a Capcom game because Capcom, just out of principle, I didn't buy this particular game, but just out of principle, I was like, fuck them. I'm not buying their shit because I don't appreciate their business practices. They put out a game, Marvel versus Capcom 3. Had a lot of problems, wasn't balanced, was missing game modes. They promised people, hey, we're going to put these back into the game. We're going to fix it. And instead, what they did is a year later, released Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 at a $20 less price point. So instead of paying $60, you paid $40 for it and had everything that was supposed to be fixed in the first game in this one, rather than actually patching and fixing shit. So if I'm going to harp on a video game company for doing something like that, I got to harp on a band for doing something like that. Like I do kind of have a thing where if they, people did go out and buy this first album and then you drop out this other one with these three extra songs on there, they kind of got fucked. And I don't appreciate that. It's a shitty thing to do. Like, and honest. Yeah. It's weird because they're doing that with like physical releases with CDs Mm -hmm. a lot. Which is like, you know, I'm a vinyl guy. They don't do that with vinyl because the reason why there's uh, albums are at a certain length and sequence in a certain way is because there's still people out there who buy records. Yeah. Like me. So it has to adhere to that limitation, which I think is part of the ch- challenge and part of the charm of it. So like if I went to the record store and bought it, like I could only get the 10 tracks because that's all that's going to fit. And they're not going to press another vinyl for three, three songs. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I, and that's getting that's so my. Is, so like the fans who actually bought the CD, and like you have this other CD, which has like three songs on it. Just they should have just offered it as a digital download. And maybe they did. I don't know. Yeah, right? I don't know either. But like, I don't know either. But I've seen other places like do like three bonus tracks, and you look at you look at the track listing on the actual CD. And it'll be like another CD <laughs> with three yeah. fucking songs on it. Like, oh, maybe just don't do that. Like, maybe again, because only one of these that. songs I felt fits with the album that should have been on it, but you know, due to constraints. Mm-hmm. And so. that's yeah. It's it's just it's one of those things where I just don't appreciate the. I, I, again, I, I don't know. I don't know if they did it or not, just, but just, just hold off because like. At least, if you're going to do a special edition, the second disc should be rounded out with a lot more content than three three songs or two songs. It should be whatever. And whatever you have left around, like live tracks or whatever, like at least make it more bang for your buck. Agreed. Uh, agreed. And again, that's why I kind of felt this was odd. Like, again, hey, we're going to release the director's cut, you know, okay. <sighs> but it's only three songs. Just, you know, put them out there as bonus tracks, you know, or... Um, you know, I mean, the Japanese, I mean, there, there is a version of how not to drown that we didn't listen to, which is the Robert Smith remix that only came on the Japanese version. So again, I, I, like I, they've always done that kind of shit and I just always frowned on it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you and I, I think we're kind of notorious for going around and buy I me. Mean, I was buying Pink Floyd bootlegs yeah. from other countries because they had different versions of the fucking songs on them. I hated it. <laughs> well, yeah, I was like with the Nine Inch Nails because, like, Pink Floyd, because like, their albums are pretty much the way they are. And the mm-hmm. bootlegs, you'd have to get like just like things that were, you know, 
B-side or like hard to get. That, like Nine yes. Inch Nails was infamous because I, I own a version of Downward Spiral that has the song Dead Souls from the Crow soundtrack on it. Sequenced Ooh. in between two songs, which is really weird. That's weird. Yeah. But well, it's awesome you have it. <laughs> awesome, yeah. That's <laughs> Yeah, I, high school, but yeah, it's just it's just weird that like for the Japanese market they throw an extra track on there, which is seems really weird, especially with an album like Downward Spiral, to throw a cover song in, <laughs> in a sequence yeah. of concept album. No, and I, you know it's it's on PC to say this guy's name right now because he's canceled. But uh, you know, back in the day, uh, I was a big Marilyn Manson fan. And uh, there was like a Rusty Nails mix that was out there, like all these songs that were kind of remixing together that I got my hands on that, again, you weren't, you couldn't get normally. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so there it is. That's Screen Violence. Uh, kind of just going over some of the reviews of it. AV Club gave it a B plus. Scam gave it 8 out of 10. Uh, Pitchfork gave it a 7.2 Pop Matters gave it an 8 I don't have a Rolling Scone review The people that gave it the, the lowest rating uh, Was uh, Paste uh, Who which is Not a, one I'm familiar with uh, Gave it a 6 Out of 10 Saying that it's more of a lateral Move that it doesn't have a It's not great you know, that it was just kind of meh. Yeah, so I don't have a, I don't have, I guess, since I haven't heard their other things, I, I don't have a frame of reference. I thought this was really good. I, I this was probably, if I would have heard this when it came out, was it 2021? Yeah. Probably made it on my top, top five of the year. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, easy. Easy. Yeah. Cause I just, I love it. And, what I really liked it too is because it felt also at times so much like, because I, I know I harp it, but it had that like a vibe from Pretty Hate Machine, Nine Inch Nails, mm, just mm-hmm. like early synth Nine Inch Nails stuff. And like, I was that really, you know, like this, like I said, this like checked off so many boxes for me. Like my love of female uh, pop, pop singers and like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, uh, weird industrial dance, electronic music and, fucked up lyrics like it was (laughs) this album was perfect for me i i again (laughs) you and i both like i there's a reason why i love this album and i like their older stuff like i could appreciate it i know where people are coming from and i think this particular reviewer is that they're getting away from kind of this the the true synth pop and going kind of in a different route because their older stuff especially the first album is far more synth poppy where this brings in, you know, more guitar works and other instruments. And it kind of becomes, it rocks a little more. It moves. God up. forbid a band changes, Paul. <laughs> Keep it the same way. All God damn it. God <laughs> damn it. Yeah, no, I, and that's what it is for people. People are like, oh, I don't like it as much as they're older. <laughs> oh, look at me. I don't like this album. <laughs> yeah i I, that's really what it is people are upset they're moving away from their synth pop roots as it were but But that's like any indie band whatever they change and do something and they get more uh, accepted by like a wider audience you get this group of fucking idiots 
I've seen it happen so many times. I saw it happen with Modest Mouse. I was just going to say, <laughs> Modest Mouse is the first, yeah, right away. As soon as Good News came out, everybody's like, I fucking hate them now. Like, why? This album's really good. You would say that because you never heard of Moon Antarctica. And I was like, dude, you need to you need to get your dick punched. <laughs> and, I, and I was a big fan of Modest Mouse. Uh, you know, this is a long drive with for someone with nothing to talk about. Great songs, great songs, but they were very minimalist. There's things yep. that they could have done. And that's it. When good news for people who love bad news came out, it's a great fucking album. Yeah. It's a great I, album. Did people not see the direction they were going with Moon in Antarctica? I, I, was I, definitely I, heading to good news and like that more whatever. Mm-hmm. They can't keep redoing, which is my favorite, is uh, uh, Lonesome Crowded West. Oh, that's such a good album. Yeah, yeah, that is such a good album. It has some, just some great fucking tracks on it. Cowboy Dan is my <laughs> favorite uh, yeah. Modest Mouse song. <laughs> I, I like Trailer Trash. That's yeah. doing the cockroach. <laughs> doing the cockroach. Doing the cockroach. <laughs> Long yeah, distance Dan, drunk. I saw them live, and they probably played like a seventeen-minute version of Cowboy. Oh, Dan. that's awesome! And it was wild. That was great. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, no, and then people were like oh, Modest Mouse sold out, and then you know people really got pissed off when they did We Are Dead. Uh, I thought that was great too. <laughs> I, I thought it was. Lot. I thought it was really good. Now I have not listened to their latest two albums. That's on me. Uh, I, I just, they're all right. I guess, you know, they're getting older, so they're not as, I don't think they're as, as adventurous now. They kind of found their groove and they stuck with it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my take. I could be wrong. Yeah. Well, That's what I, I felt don't... with the album they did a few years ago. The last one that came out seemed like they're trying to do something a little different. But uh, The Golden Casket? Yeah, yeah. No, that just came out last year. That just came yeah, out in yeah, June. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. And again, I didn't, I didn't know about it. Like I just was one of those things where I didn't know about this album. I will say one thing that I did kind of get the vibe from even when they were doing, we were dead before the ship even sank. And I think they did like an EP, uh, of a song that came out like King rat. Uh, I did notice that, uh, Brock's voice is not able to do some of the things he used to. And that's always limitating. That's always limitating. So, you know, what happens when you age? And Jagger's voice can't do what it used to either. <laughs> and let's let's talk about you two for a moment, if we may, because we're never going to do one of their albums, I don't think, because I absolutely cannot stand you two anymore. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll do pop one of these days. Oh, that's pop, the only album of theirs I like. Yeah, I can handle pop. Uh, <laughs> I only like one album. It's the one everybody hates. hated. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> staring at the sun is a fucking great song. I don't care what anybody says. It was a good song. Actually, it was a good song. So Bono, whenever they played live, even from the very beginning, they would tune down. Like, and most bands do this. A lot of people don't realize is that they've tuned down. And Bono's gotten to the point where when he's on tour, Bono's fucking up his own ass and has been for a long time. The ego on that guy's crazy. He will not talk to anyone when he's on tour. He, he rides around with an oxygen mask and has oxygen going to him in order to preserve his voice to keep doing what he's doing. But even now, even Bono, doing everything he can to protect his voice from aging, cannot do the stuff that he used to do. He just can't. He just can't. And yeah. I, I just, I, I don't even give a shit about his voice. I, he's, uh, U2's just not what I'm, like I said, Pop is the only one that I ever paid any attention to. So I, I'll be 
I'll, I'll say this because I don't know if the guy listens to it or not. And, you know, we're, we've gotten to be friends again, so this is no shot at him. And if he does listen to this show, he'll know I'm talking about him. And I, I still love you, sir. So <laughs> when one of the iterations of the bands I was in, there was a guy who sang, very, was very much in the U2 very much in the U2 and part of our routine when we we're doing live shows, we'd, uh, we'd always do a, a um, combination of covers and our own music to keep people interested. Uh, just was the way that we did things, you know, play the songs people know, mix them with the stuff they don't know, you know, see how you gauge a reaction. And he was always very much into U2. So the songs that he picked and the things we had to do were, were very U2. And I lived with this guy for a while and U2 was his favorite band. And I had to listen to U2 all the time. And when we were writing music, he wrote songs very much that were in the style of U2. And I just got absolutely burnt out. I cannot do U2 anymore because, and it's not that, you know, I, I, I dislike him. It's over the years, you know, I, I, I took me till I was in where I'm at now, getting old and curmudgeon My mom used to say, maybe like, mom, why, why don't you, you know, God, the Beatles are so good. She's like, I'm burned out. I've listened to them <laughs> ad nauseum as a kid and everything. I know all those songs. I don't need to hear them now because I know them all. And I just, they don't do anything for me and I don't want to hear them anymore because I heard it too much. And I never understood that. And now I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that person you were in a band with, you guessed it, Frank Stallone. Frank Stallone. <laughs> Frank Stallone. <laughs> so, yeah, we went on some tangents there at the end. We did, we did pretty good staying on track for the most part. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> our ADD didn't kick in too much. No, so, no, not like Pat Boone. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, okay. As I was a dick, and I was taking my daughter uh, with me somewhere. Oh, to go get, I was going to pick up food. And... So I played, was like, she's like, what, what album are you doing this time? And it was this one. It was the church's album. So I started playing it for half the ride there. I mean, for the ride there, I was playing the church's album. And on the way back, I started playing the Pat Boone album. <laughs> 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 oh, she was so pissed. And I got to say, you know, I really enjoyed this band. And maybe this was unfair because I feel like any, any album I was going to pick after that Pat Boone album was going to sound amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I picked an album that I know I like already and was like, yeah. And again, the next couple albums I'm going to do are going to be albums that I enjoy. Maybe you won't. I'm glad that you enjoyed this. I would, I would encourage you to check out um, their album before this, um, which was love is dead. Um, I think is, is a solid, it's a solid fucking album, very solid album. Uh, so yeah, uh, I would recommend that one. Well, uh, I recommend this one, Paul. Uh, good. I'm glad you recommend this one. I recommend this too. I honestly recommend every one of their albums. This is just so far. They've only put out four albums and each one's been really good has singles off of it and they just get better, uh, and better. Uh, in my opinion, they just, the band continues to grow, continues to be interesting, continues to evolve. And that's something that I think is the sign of a really good band that they can do that. So I'm glad you, you enjoyed it. Joe, uh, what plugs do you have, sir? Do you got anything going on? Nothing at the time at the moment. We're still just doing a little hiatus until things get a little more sane. So fair enough. Down, so 
Well, luckily, you know, I have, we set up, there's a bunch of podcasts that are out on SoundCloud and out in the pot, you know, that, and on YouTube, they are coming on the Joe down. Like on, I think they're on because we were so far behind. They're coming out like every other day. So there's still content <laughs> coming on the Joe down. <laughs> Good. It covers up uh, me and Brown's laziness. <laughs> I, it's, it, it works out because I was lazy for like three, for six weeks. So <laughs> I, I, I'll carry the load for a little while. Um, Joe, what album are we doing next week? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Paul. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> no. Uh, we are going to visit an artist mm-hmm. who cut his teeth in the early days of grunge in Seattle. Stalwart okay. of the Seattle scene. He died recently. And I gave, gave me the idea because I haven't really listened to a whole lot of his stuff in a long time. Uh, we're going to listen to the first solo album. I think it's his first one by Mark Lanigan. Ooh. From, oh. Uh, from the Screaming Trees. Yes. We're going to be doing The Winding Sheet. Okay. Perfect. I'm not familiar with this solo stuff either. So I'm excited for this. Yeah. It sucks he died. I saw that. Yeah. Just- yeah. This is a, it's an interesting album. It, uh, uh, you'll, there's a cover on this that you will immediately find uh, familiar and how it's arranged. And then when you find out who's on it, you'll, it'll make a whole lot more sense. Okay. So what's this one called? The winding sheet. Yep. The winding sheet. Oh, it's on sub pop labels. I like sub pop label. Uh, so which cover? Oh, okay. Okay. I think I know which cover it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. it's, uh, yeah. so we'll talk about that next week. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking really, really, really forward to that. Uh, so awesome. And I'm uh, interested in, I hope the, you'll be, give us some backstory on Mark a little bit, because I am interested on in learning more about him. Yeah, I, mean, I, I got some, I know a little bit. I know that, you know, I liked his work with Screaming Trees, but I like after he died, and I re- was reading his old bits and like, Man, that guy, like, you wrote memoirs and, like, fucking did weird collaborations and just, like, just, like, right? weird enigma in music where he just popped up wherever in, like, the weirdest situations with people. It was just, like, so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to revisit because I, you know, I'm not a huge fan, I would say, but, like, I'm interested in kind of, like, going down more. And this is the album, like, I remember listening to and I really, really enjoyed when I listened to it mm-hmm. back in the day. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He sh- he does a duet on with a, a band called Mad Season, which was Lane Staley from Allison Chains' uh, side band. Oh, cool! And it's like really good. <laughs> so yeah, it, he's he's an interesting guy. So we'll be visiting him next week. Awesome. Yeah, I remember reading that like his open. I was like, I had no idea this guy did the, all this shit. And I meant to go back and look through it, but I just didn't have the time. So I'm glad that you did. So that's fantastic because I'm glad you picked this one. So, all right. All right, Joe. Well, do you want to take us out? No. 